Hello, Kieran. How are you doing? And welcome to this week's uh, Euro Soccer. And we'd like to welcome all the listeners to the podcast as well. So, yeah, a lot of soccer has gone on since we, we spoke last. And um, due to technical difficulties and all that, we weren't able to do it last week. So, yeah, so uh, I suppose we kick off with, with a, a big match there for the for the Ireland ladies team tomorrow against Germany. A must win if they're to, uh, to have any hopes to play, uh, get reaching the playoffs. Yeah, hi Aidan. Uh, good to be back on Euro Soccer and Ross FM. Uh, yeah, look, it's do or die against Germany for Ireland, and uh, it's possibly the worst team to have a do or die game against. Uh, yeah. You really uh, looking back on the looking back on the different games throughout this campaign. You have to think the game against Greece uh, away to Greece, where uh, Ireland conceded a late equaliser, and the game recently against Ukraine where Ireland lost 1-0, missed a penalty, scored an own goal, everything went wrong. Uh, you have to look at those were two big missed opportunities, and now it's a must win against Germany. Now, there's been a bit of unrest in the camp in, uh, in the Paris squad. Uh, they, were waiting for, uh, they were waiting for the mandated, UEFA-mandated COVID testing to come back. Uh, it's only come back this afternoon. Uh, this is uh, as, as we speak on Monday talking about um but uh, it it looks like uh it looks like things are okay at the moment but we haven't heard anything but uh it just uh, it obviously hampers preparations because you don't know who's going to be available who's not because obviously these players are playing in different leagues around the place so uh it's it's been difficult in that sense and as well uh, bad news in that Leanne Kiernan who plays for West Ham will be out uh, she had a very good influence in the game uh, against away to Germany, which Ireland lost three nil. So uh, that's a big loss there. But um, looking at how uh, looking at how Ireland played against Germany away from Germany, there are positive signs. Uh, look, Germany took the lead three uh, nil, and that was pretty much job done for them. And look, the second half was scoreless. Uh, if we're using the if we're using the Irish rugby logic of going by the second half score lines, it was scoreless. So uh, it's there is a possibility, there is a chance. It's a very small chance. It's going to be a massive appeal battle. To put it into context, Germany made the quarterfinals of the last World Cup. They lost 1-0 to Sweden in the quarterfinals, and that was a big disappointment for them. They would have been expecting to make the semifinals. So, uh, look, Germany are obviously, like, uh, they need no introduction. They're a very good team. If Ireland don't beat them, they'll have to hope for Montenegro to get something out of uh, Ukraine, who uh, are, are obviously in second place. At the moment, uh, that's very unlikely. Montenegro are pretty much the poorest team in the group. I haven't even sure that they've scored a goal yet. So, look, it's very, it's very difficult. But there are plenty of positives for Ireland uh, in terms of in terms of the squad. Most players, aside from the Jan Kiernan, seem to be available. Obviously, best. But uh, it's just a shame that preparation has been uh, delayed slightly. I suppose, yeah. It, we, we were talking about the last game, the game against. Um... Ukraine in in uh, Kiev. It was just a shame, like you know, that there was just that mistake, like that cost us. Um, you know, as things are now, if that hadn't gone in, it would have been a draw. But at the time the goal went in, we wouldn't have known that. But I suppose really there there has been games where we were unlucky. I suppose you could say Greece. Now we we should we could have won that game. I suppose. It's it's a case in point. Even though this is a very good, it's a good Ireland team, and you know we want the best for them, and we want them to qualify. But maybe that's something they need to do is kind of, I suppose, uh, close out games when they're in a winning position. 
Well, yeah, that's been what's difficult for this Ireland team. I mean, looking at it, looking all the way back to the start of the campaign, beating Montenegro 2 0. Now, that was under different management. Uh, that, uh, it wasn't the best of wins. Then uh, Ukraine going 2 0 up, getting pegged back to 2 all, and then uh, going uh, and then going on to win 3 2. Again, it's just been hard to kind of push on when Ireland are in front. I mean, we've led other teams back into the games, happened against Greece away from home. Uh, and you can't do that against the Germans. And that, that has been a problem, just closing out games and not letting the other teams back into games and not giving up chances. Because if you give up chances, you're going to concede eventually. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, taking the chances is the other thing. I mean, Ireland haven't been free-scoring this campaign. have had plenty of chances. Uh, I remember uh, Rusha Littlejohn saying after, I think, the home game against Greece that she couldn't finish her, her dinner. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's something, again, against Germany, you're not going to have that many chances. So, you know, it is possible getting something out of this game, getting a win that is most needed. But at the same time, it really has to be a perfect performance. I mean, it really has to be the kind of thing, no mistakes at all. Uh, looking at it, who's going to start in goal is an is an interesting choice. I mean, Yvery Burke's been really good for Keymount. That's a possibility. I think it's time to pick foreign players, to be honest, rather than experienced players for this game because, to be honest, even the experienced players don't have experience of being in this situation where if they win a game, they're potentially going to the Euros. Uh, obviously, now if Ireland comes second, they'll likely be going through the playoffs and not qualifying as one of the best runners up. But, uh, yeah, look, it's been missed opportunities. I mean, that game away to Greece, the 93rd-minute equaliser, and the game against Ukraine, as we said, everything everything that could possibly have gone wrong there did. Ireland had plenty of chances. Ukraine should have been down to 10 women. Uh, and, look, it was, it was just a really... Like, if you played that game next week, if you play that game this week, Ireland would probably win a 3-0. It was that kind of game. But it was just really unfortunate. But they have to put that to, best, to rest now. Look, it's one game left. Forget about the rest of the campaign. It's just go out there and go out there and uh, do everything they can to win this game. Like we have plenty of talent. One thing I would say uh, that uh, needs to change from the Ukraine game is substitutions need to be made earlier. I mean, Ireland made three substitutions with five minutes to go with the likes of Ellen Malloy coming on. Ellen Malloy is a fantastic player. She looks like a prodigy for Wexford Dukes. I mean, she's only 16. She already has such a good footballing brain. But you need to give her more than five minutes. I mean, bring her on. Bring her on with 15 minutes to go. Bring Amber Barrett on with 20 minutes to go. We need to go. Uh, you need to you need to make these changes earlier. So uh, I hope to see I hope to see Vera Pau more reactive to what's going on in the game if Ireland need a goal. And as well, not to sit back too much. Because look, if you sit back for 90 minutes against Germany, you're going to concede a bit. I mean, you kind of have to go at them and get in their faces. They've already qualified. See if they're up for this game. That's kind of uh, the message that needs to be as well. Because, look, if, if you make it difficult for them, if you get in their faces, if you kind of, uh, you know, if you if you do a bit of gamesmanship, maybe they maybe they won't fancy it on Tuesday. And maybe uh, maybe Ireland can get something out of the game. Because there's no, there's no point just sitting back letting them have the ball. It's really a nutting game for them. I mean, they don't care if Ireland are Ukraine qualified. They're not going to be fussed about that. They've already qualified. We don't know what kind of team they're going to put out. There might be some of the experienced players. So, you know, I, w- I want to see Ireland getting in their faces a bit, seeing if they fancy it, going into tackles, not pulling back, uh, and just going going out there for the win, because Ireland need to win. A draw really be good enough. That's it. And I suppose really, uh, historically, in playoffs, either in the men's, uh, either the men's team or the, the women's team, we haven't, uh, historically, we haven't done too well in playoffs. But uh, just just going back a small bit be- uh, before we move on to uh, Dundalk's team, Dundalk's uh, thing in Europe, um, you were saying there about the substitutes and 
you know, the, the thing about substitutes, you know, they were one nil or two nil down and uh, you can't be making substitutes for substitute's sake. They have to be made in the right, ta- using the, for the right tactics, the right reasons and in the right positions where it needs to be improved. Um, you know, because if, if you're just making them for the sake of making them for, for legs, really, it's kind of, it, it doesn't really help, you know, you know, um, because you, you need le- legs in certain areas, depending on how you're getting on. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, you really make substitutions for tactical reasons or fitness reasons. There's no point making, or possibly, if you're winning a game comprehensively, or if it's a nutting game, to give a bit of give some players game time. But that wasn't the case against Rapid Vienna, and I, I think it may have been a bit of an experience uh, for. Uh, uh, from Filippo Giavagnoli uh, taking off Kelly uh, sorry taking off Macmillan uh, taking off Sean Hoare I mean I think it was a bit of a bit of inexperience and uh, you know there it, it, uh, of course uh, Ireland got a penalty just after Macmillan came off and, and they scored that suddenly it's uh, suddenly it's suddenly it's 2-1 uh, and then obviously penalties missed Rapid Vienna score a few minutes later, and then our, uh, Dundalk do get one back through a Chris Shields penalty. So, look, it's a difficult one there, but uh, yeah, look, I think it's a bit of an experience. I mean, which is understandable because Filippo Giavagnoli, I don't think he can be judged too harshly on what's gone on. He's gotten them to an FAI Cup final, he's gotten them into the Europe, Europa League uh, qualifiers, and he's gotten them into Europe next season. So, I think it's just a bit of an experience from his point of view. Keep in mind, he's never managed a senior team before. So, uh, yeah, look, it wasn't. Uh, well, it was, it was tactically there would seem to be a bit of confusion. Uh, had Macmillan been on, maybe he would have scored that penalty. Uh, wasn't uh, wasn't a big fan of Adua's run up for the penalty. I think he tried to be a bit tricky in the run up. Uh, obviously, Hoban was missing as well, and Dane Massey were missing. So, uh, look, I I think uh, I think it was just unfortunate. But uh, this big this big game against Molde now, look, it's even if Dundalk can't qualify, and they realistically they. Well, I, I think they actually can't at all, but I, 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 there might be a slim mathematical chance that they win both their games. But this game against Molde, if they'll not get anything out of them, there's a huge financial benefit. And as well, look, these players want to make history. I mean, uh, uh, Ireland, have, uh, the Irish teams have only gotten four points in the Europa League before. A win, any kind of win in the Europa League, particularly away from home, would be massive. And then they go on and play Arsenal. Interesting to see what will happen. Because uh, Dundalk, I think the fact that Dundalk have been fresh and playing plenty of games showed against Athlone on the weekend. You could really tell Athlone hadn't played a game of football in in a month because uh, I mean they they look they were playing their amateurs playing against a professional team. I mean uh, I heard somebody uh, I I read somebody right when Tahiti were in the confederation the old confederations cup uh, losing six nil and uh, losing six nil and twelve nil that were all somebody's fleas and at the end of the day Dundalk. As difficult as the European run has been, they've been uh, they've been uh, fan- they've been they're a fantastic team in the league. But uh, you look at it, you wonder will they have an eye in the FAI Cup? Because surely winning the FAI Cup is probably uh, a better achievement than getting a win in the Europa League, but still not qualifying. But I don't think, to be honest, I don't think this Dundalk team will take the rally off the ball. I think they'll play. I think it's the kind of thing you have to go out there to win every game you're playing. I think. Uh, I think you can't really prepare for a cup by putting a second team out in the Europa League unless you've already qualified. And look, uh, I can see Dundalk going for this game against Molde. Hopefully they match to win. But yeah, look, it's been a learning curve because at the end of the day, it's only the third time a League of Ireland team 
has been in the Europa League, has been in European competition at all. Uh, next year, obviously, the Europa Conference will come into existence. So, uh, yeah, look, it's it's been difficult. Uh, I think it's still a fantastic season for Dundalk. And if they win the FA Cup, and obviously Jordan Flores has been nominated for the Puskas Award, got his leg higher up than I can get my head. So uh, I think you have to give him a lot of credit for that. But uh, Dundalk, uh, yeah, look, it's been a learning curve for Filippo, for the players. It's a bit of a transitional time. Uh, that, that work gets thrown around a lot. But obviously, a lot of players are out of contract. And this game could make a difference to that because there's a lot of prize money for winning a game in the Europa League or drawing a game. So, you know, if, if they win that game, that could be the difference between two or three players signing on for next season. So, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's been difficult, but uh, maybe a bit of tactical um, tactical kind of uh, immaturity maybe uh, in the in the last game against Rapid Vienna. That's it. But I suppose really, um, you know, for Filippo... Um... You know, it's going to be it's going to be a, an interesting game for them, and I suppose really, you, you know, they'll they'll want to they'll want to do well in the remaining matches, and hopefully get a few get a get a bit of money for for the coppers for uh, maybe for you know well obviously they have to sell, get, keep players on contracts and maybe bring in more players. But uh, moving on to uh, the Champions League, um, you know the the group stage is round five, interesting games, and I suppose. Kicking off with the, the Liverpool game, you know, it's not an easy game against Ajax. Now, when you consider the injuries they have, um, mostly to defender, mostly to uh, in the defence, they have, and of course, especially after last week's loss uh, to Atalanta, they'll, they'll, this is a very important game now uh, to put the, put it to bed and to kind of, they need to win this to assure themselves of qualification. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Um... They possibly need to win their last two games, really, um, because they Ajax and Atalanta are only two points off. It would be pretty bad if um, for Liverpool if they dropped into the Europa League. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as bad if a team like Chelsea or Man United did it. But if you have to think, if Liverpool or Man City were to Man City already qualified, but if one of those teams hypothetically were to drop into the Europa League, uh, it would be pretty disastrous. Because for one thing, they'd be playing on Thursdays, which is never fun. But also, they are a Champions League team. They should be playing the big guns. And it would probably be better just to not be in Europe than play than have the Europa League distraction. But at the same time, yeah, they're missing Thiago Alcantara. Apparently, he's not close to being back. It's still going to be a few weeks. Uh, Alexander-Arnold, who obviously is he's, he's like a playmaker from the right back. I'd put him as the second best right back in the world based on last season, just behind Joshua Kimmich. Joe Gomez, uh, who I'm a big fan of because he used to play for Charlton. Uh, then the, uh, Virgil van Dijk obviously looks like he's going to be out for the season so I mean that's your two starting centre-backs and your starting right-back uh, Oxley chamberlain and Shaqiri as well good squad players to have Kiedo as a doubt and crucially as well they're missing James Milner now you look at James Milner his fitness is incredible I mean he, he still he still runs around like he's a 25-year-old and at the same time he can cover the right or the left-back he can cover midfield he can play in that kind of more playmaker role he can play in a more defensive role I was even thinking he might slot into centre-back at some stage uh, if the centre-back injuries uh, continue. But yeah, looking at looking at this group with Liverpool, Ajax and Atalanta now, uh, Michelin, who are in their first ever uh, European campaign, uh, Champions League, I should say, campaign, uh, they've, they've been eliminated. Uh, some people might remember they played Man United some years ago in the Europa League and that was kind of the, um, the, uh, the debut of Marcus Rashford on the Louis van Gaal. Uh, but Liverpool do top the group by two points. And now if teams are level on points, it'll go down to head-to-head. Liverpool beat Ajax the first time round. So 
the only way Liverpool, the only way Ajax could qualify if Liverpool beat them, the only way Liverpool, I should say, could fail to qualify if they beat Ajax would be if Atalanta beat them and uh, Ajax beat Atalanta because at the at the or sorry, Atalanta beat them and Ajax beat Michelin, uh, then they could potentially go out on head to head. But Liverpool should be fairly safe if they win this game. Uh, look, it hasn't been it hasn't been bad for Liverpool. I mean, I think a lot of injuries as well. Um, you know, it's they only had about a month off, like most Premier League teams, and it's hard to get yourself motivated for the next season after the uh, after winning the title, especially for the first time in thirty years. I mean, we saw the game after they won the title; they went out and got hammered by Manchester City. So, you know, that can happen. But uh, yeah, against Ajax, look, Ajax a useful side. Wouldn't write them off. Thought they're a bit unlucky. Uh, to lose in Amsterdam to Liverpool uh, thought they had plenty of chances could have easily been a draw uh, it was a bit of an eye on lucky goal to concede as well uh, elsewhere you'd expect Atalanta to be Mitchell and as well it's not just qualifying for Liverpool it's coming for, it's coming first in the group because they won't want to play Bayern Munich no one will Bayern Munich are the only team to guarantee top spot in their group yet uh, they obviously can't play Manchester City uh, who at the moment are top in their group they obviously can't play them at the moment, because uh, they're a bit, you can't play a team from the same league in the in the uh, last sixteen, uh, so it would at the moment Man United, Chelsea, and Man City are top of their groups. So that kind of narrows down the top teams they could play to the likes of Dortmund, Barcelona, Manchester, uh, and Munchen Gladbach. So um, as well as Bayern Munich, so it, it's it could potentially be a difficult one if they finish second in the group. So they'll want to finish in that top spot. They'll want to have all that momentum. They won't end up playing maybe an easier game like the likes of Sevilla or Lazio or even I put PSG in the easier game bracket, to be honest, because they don't seem after races in the Champions League this year. Yeah, difficult one for Liverpool, particularly with their injuries. The late, the last minute penalty in uh, on the weekend, I'm sure you nearly put your foot through the telly. Uh, that was a uh, that's going to be that's going to be a, that's going to be a big blow to them. So it depends how they react to that. But uh, yeah, look, it's going to be a difficult one. I mean, it's it's hard to do well. It's hard to win the Champions League or the Premier League three seasons in a row. They won the Champions League in 2018, won the Premier League in 2019, sorry, they won the Champions League in 2019, won the uh, Premier League last season. And it's hard to win a big one again this season. But if they're going to, they probably need to win this game against Ajax. That's it, because um, I suppose the only plus thing for Liverpool is if there wasn't any... Um... If there wasn't any VAR in in, play, in place in Europe, you know what I mean? <laughs> because yes. VAR, VAR seems to be, you know, really against a lot of teams saying that oh Liverpool, you know, it's been all for Liverpool and all that. But you know, Liverpool have suffered suffered at the hands of VAR as as have uh, other teams, uh, you know, especially with penalties and offsides. Yeah, I saw something saying uh, Liverpool had eight uh, decisions. Uh, overruled against them like so uh, eight decisions made against them because of our intervention that's the most of anyone in the Premier League uh, so uh, yeah VAR doesn't seem to be their friend at the moment uh, looking then I suppose elsewhere in the group just to go through uh, Bayern Munich have topped Group A they're going to be top it's good for them because uh, they've had a few injuries they've lost obviously Thiago Alcantara they've lost it they have a bit of an aging squad in some places, so it's good that uh, they can give a they can give a run out to the likes of uh, uh, for other players in the games against the likes of Atletico Madrid uh, and uh, Lokomotiv Moscow. A uh, big big challenge going away to Atletico Madrid for some young players, so it would be a great experience for them. 
Um, looking at Bayern Munich and Atleti, Atleti nowhere near out of the woods yet. Look, they've only won one game uh, and they've drawn two and lost one. So uh, they're only two points clear of Lokomotiv Moscow. So, you know, uh, if they this, uh, this is kind of a must win against Bayern Munich. Uh, Salzburg, uh, bottom of the group, but not quite out of it yet. Uh, so, you know, Atleti, Atleti, well, you don't know, maybe they will want to drop in the Europa League because every time they're in the Europa League, they seem to win it. But uh, at the same time, and they would be a top seed then for the next season's Champions League. So maybe that's Diego Simeone's grandmaster plan. But at the same time, they're a team that came within inches of lifting two European Cups last season, last decade, I should say. So they should really be among the big guns. But uh, it's going to be tough for them going in as a, as a non-seeded team. Um, Bayern Munich, uh, they do have the squad. They just It'd be good to see them uh, rotate their squad a bit, play the likes of... Uh, Taliso give Sane a bit more game time, play some of the young guns, play uh, play a few others because they've had a few injuries too. Uh, in, in Group B, then uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, probably surprised back to the tournament. Uh, haven't uh, haven't lost a game yet in a group like the Inter, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Inter. Uh, Inter probably the most disappointing team in the tournament, haven't won a game yet, uh, including two losses to Real Madrid. So. Uh, Looks like it might be Munch and Gladbach against Real Madrid, but at the same time, Real Madrid haven't been overly impressive. And they go away to Shakhtar Donetsk, a team that beat them. If the next beat them again, they'll overtake them on head-to-head. And uh, then you just need... Uh, then you'd pretty much be looking at Munch and Gladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk, surprisingly, coming out of that group. Inter, it looks a long shot for them to get through. They have to win their last two games and hope a lot of things go their way. Uh, group C, Manchester City top the pile. They're uh, they're already true again. They won the top the group. They want to be good seeds. I think Pep's really focused on the Champions League this season. I don't think he's as worried about the Premier League. He said in the past he's a failure if he doesn't win the Champions League, which means aside from a few good years of Barcelona, he's largely failed in his career by his standards. Porto look all but true. Uh, anything out of there? Anything out of there? Uh, last game, uh, last two games, we'll see them true. Uh, Olympiacos play Marseille Olympiacos uh, will probably find themselves in that Europa League spot because to be honest Marseille have been very disappointing they haven't scored a goal yet I think a lot of people were expecting them to offer something uh, as we said Liverpool, Ajax and Atalanta still in the mix there in uh, Group D and Group E we have Chelsea and Sevilla true Chelsea again another surprising team they didn't expect them to accommodate so well uh, they were a bit lucky against Sevilla or maybe I should say Sevilla were a bit unlucky but at the same time, look, they've gotten the points, and if they can beat Sevilla, they'll they'll likely top the group. Uh, that's a tough ask going away to Sevilla this week. But uh, look, uh, both those teams are true now, so it's hard to see will they rotate with what they'll do in this game uh, because this uh, the winner of this game will realistically top the group. Uh, then uh, you have uh, Krasnodar and Rennes in that group, both make their tournament debuts. Uh, both will be fighting it out. Winner of this game again makes the Europa League, so it's a it's a big deal for those two teams. Uh, Rennes never in the Champions League. Krasnodar never in the Champions League. Then uh, Group F's an interesting one. Very tight. Dortmund, Lazio, Club Bruges and Zenit. Zenit uh, are out of the Champions League. They can't do anything now. But, uh, you know, Bruges, they're still in with a little bit of a chance of getting overtaking Lazio. Uh, it seems like it's going to come down to Dortmund and Lazio who tops the group uh, as tail of two strikers uh, on different ends of their career. Haaland for Dortmund has been exceptional really I mean he's, he's just every time he plays he seems to score he's just one of those players reminds me a bit of Mbappe a few years ago and Lazio uh, well they have uh, Ciro Immobile 
who's been fantastic for them. They have some good players in Luis Alberto and uh, the likes of Sergio Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, so they have a decent squad there, and the winner of this game likely tops the group again, Dortmund-Lazio. Then uh, Group G, Barcelona and Juventus have both qualified, so hard to know what they'll do. Barcelona struggling a bit in the league, but at the same time, they've won their four games. So, uh, you know, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Barcelona favourites there, especially on head-to-head record to to uh, finish above Juventus. Ferenza Varos uh, hosts Barcelona. Again, I, I was saying a while ago, it's the first time they've been in the Champions League in over in 25 years. So it would be something if they could get something out of that game. They came within minutes of getting a famous point against Juventus. They actually nearly won that game as well. They were 1-0 up. Uh, Juventus played Dinamo Kiev. Uh, so uh, look, uh, both friends of Ross and Dinamo Kiev can still get Europa League football. Then finally, Group H, Manchester United, uh, getting back to winning ways last week against Istanbul Basaksehir, and uh, PSG haven't been overly impressive. Leipzig, not quite the team they were last season. Very much missing Timo Werner, not as free scoring as they were last season. Only the four goals in four games, as uh, so just an average of one goal per game. Uh, if I'm to put money on it, uh, I'm not putting money on it because I don't know, but if I'm to put money on it, I'm actually going to say Leipzig get through here because I think PSG are just really struggling. But uh, Man- Manchester United look a good bet to top that group now because uh, the other teams around them seem to be struggling and they seem to be playing quite They seem to play quite well against PSG and Leipzig for as bad as they were away to Istanbul. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd look at... Uh, Look, it's been an interesting Champions League, and uh, it's it's really hard to know who's going to go all the way this season. That's it. And uh, moving on to the World Cup draw, the World Cup qualifiers draw uh, next Monday. But I, I suppose before we just go on to that one, I suppose we we better we need to give a mention to uh, Maradona, one of the world's greatest players, um, passed away there last week. Of course, we all know kind of his lifestyle, and he had surgery there last week or recently as well and different names so uh, yeah the passing of a legend absolutely yeah it's uh, it's um, you know it's, it's funny it was before my time but at the same time I still I still know every know all his achievements I still know all his famous goals I still know his story and I think uh, he was more he was a cultural icon really and uh, not just a football one and at the same time I mean, his goal against England for me in the World Cup, uh, the second one uh, against England after the hand of God. To me, it's the greatest goal ever scored in a game of football. I mean, if 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 anyone can do that again, they probably deserve a raise. Uh, Son Young-Ming did a similar against Burnley for Tottenham last season. Uh, and uh, people were calling it Maradona-esque. And I suppose that's kind of the point that when someone does something really good on the pitch, they say Maradona-esque for a reason because he was that good. And uh, I think it's something maybe we forget when watching Messi and Ronaldo that we should appreciate these players. And even the likes of Robert Lewandowski and Kylian Mbappe, we have to appreciate these players because they don't come along that often. They really don't. And, uh, you know, it's rare someone is absolutely world-class. Nice to see Baca Juniors pay pay tribute. We're going out of Europe now, but nice to see Baca Juniors pay tribute to him, uh, laying down the number 10 shirt uh, when they scored their opening goal. And uh, good to see Napoli pay tribute to them as well. Uh, delighted that Napoli got the win in Europa League on Thursday and over the weekend on Sunday in in uh, Syria. That's uh, I think uh, it would be great if they it'd be great if they they won the Coppa Italia last season. It'd be great if they could win something this season. If ever there was a year they should win something. But uh, 
yeah, look, I think um, I think it's been really uh, it's it's been a difficult week and it's been a reflective one. And look, uh, uh, he was a troubled character off the pitch, but at the same time, no one can deny that he was very much a cultural icon. I suppose, really, with, with him, you know, I know a lot of people, and I, I would probably be one of them that would maybe put Maradona or uh, push possibly Pele, Pele as the best player. But it, it, in fairness to uh, in fairness to Maradona, he wasn't too far away. And as you were saying about that, uh, the second goal he scored against England it was a it was a really brilliant individual goal, but. I think I, I think it's overshadowed by the hand of God. He'd be remembered more so for the hand of God, unfortunately, rather than the than the brilliant goal that he scored after that, which is a shame. But uh, I suppose sticking with the World Cup team, I suppose uh, you know it'll be it'll be strange now. You know when you when you think of that, uh, you know Maradona Maradona's passing, and next thing you know next week next Monday, then the the World Cup draw. It, it, it's kind of it'll be unusual. Yeah, it will. It will indeed. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of tribute to him. Uh, looking at the World Cup draw, and basically how it works is 55 nations in uh, in um, you're in UEFA. Uh, and Ireland are in pot three. There are six pots. So Ireland about halfway down the pots. Now, uh, obviously, there's uh, there's not going to be... Uh, there, there's going to be five uh, groups with six teams and five groups with five teams. Now... The the likes of Belgium, France, Italy, and Spain have qualified for the Nations League final, so they're guaranteed to be in a in a in a in a group with five teams, because uh, they so they have that free round to play the Nations League finals. But at the same time, uh, if you are in a group with uh, six teams and you finish runners up, uh, in terms of ranking the playoff positions, your result against the yeah. pot six team is not counted. So uh, the pot six has the uh, Likes of minnows, the likes of Malta, Moldova, Liechtenstein, Gibraltar, and San Marino. So to be honest, if you're getting to a World Cup, you'd want to be winning those two games. But uh, looking at who Ireland could play, just for context, Ireland are in in, in a decent enough company: uh, Russia, Hungary, uh, Czech Republic, uh, both all in the Euros, Scotland as well, and Finland. Uh, and then there's also Greece, Northern Ireland, Norway, and Czech Republic. So, uh, you know, pot one, pot one is all the heavy hitters. Belgium, France, England, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Croatia, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands. It's obviously going to be very tough. Look, whoever they play there, Ireland won't be fancied against any of those teams. Who's the best? Best of a, not best of a bad lot, best of a very good lot. Uh, might be the time to play Germany. We were talking about how difficult it will be for the Ireland women. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the, uh, the German men's team are very much in the transition. They got hammered 5-0 by Spain. Uh, recently, they've been going downhill pretty much since Euro 2016 when a lot of big names retired. Had a disastrous last World Cup. Be interested to see what they do in the Euros now next season. But look, they're uh, they're having a terrible time of things. Croatia at the same time seems to be kind of past their golden generation. They obviously had that uh, great generation that made the 2018 World Cup final. But a lot of those players, that, a lot of the key players have gotten on now. Uh, the likes of Luka Modric, Ivan Rakitic. Uh, that being said, look, they're still world-class players, but it might not be the toughest thing in the world to welcome them at home. And then uh, Netherlands as well, looking at them, uh, they're probably, uh, they have a good young team, but they're probably just a bit inexperienced. And it depends when you play them again. If you play them before the Euros, it might be okay, because you might be able to cast them out. 
But look, Ireland need goals. And to be honest, uh, coming up against any of those teams is going to be very difficult. Really want to avoid the likes of Belgium and France. In terms of England, I mean, look, Ireland, Ireland, if there's one team Ireland can get up to play against, it's England in any sport. But at the same time, look, they, they were they were a different class against Ireland in the recent friendly. So, uh, yeah, look, you really you, you don't really want to be playing any of those teams. You don't want to be going to any of those teams looking for a win. But uh, Germany, possibly the easiest one. Yeah, so Kieran, yeah, Kieran, we're talking about uh, the draw there, and I suppose really another kind of point for the. I know we're talking about the um the different the different pots, but uh, I suppose for Ireland, uh, the the World Cup qualifiers might be a chance, a, a fresh start for this Ireland team, as in the what you know the Nations League has never since it came in, it has never went. Ireland's way and of course you know not qualifying for uh, Europe you know that in a, in game in over two games that we could have they could have won the game I suppose in the semi the play the semi final of the playoffs but um you know this this is a fresh start and hopefully if we can get things together you never know and if we, if we could get start if we could start getting score scoring goals it you know it would be a, a great confidence booster for the team. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, goals goals will come eventually, and I feel like when Ireland starts scoring, they'll be they'll keep scoring. Uh, that being said, Slovakia are in pot two, and look, I'd fancy our chances against Slovakia. They they were uh, they're at the they're uh, fall under the category of being no great shakes, and uh, look, Ireland had the beating of them that day, and look, there were a few chances there. Uh, I remember Conor Horan shot directly at a defender. If that had gone either side, that would have gone in. So uh, if maybe if the likes of Troy Parrott, Aaron Connolly, or Adam Eda had been available, maybe Ireland would have got through there. Um, then again, uh, you want to avoid the likes of maybe uh, Wales, Poland. Uh, Poland obviously have Lewandowski. When you're when you're having trouble scoring goals, you don't want to come up against a striker like Lewandowski. Uh, equally, um, Ireland will probably want to avoid the likes of Austria. They have a world class player in David Alaba. Look, it would be a difficult ask. Uh, um, but no one else there is too frightening. I mean, I wouldn't mind playing Sweden. They're not uh, they're not a very long trip away. And since Latham retired, they've uh, kind of been living a false life in uh, in uh, pot two. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't think any of their players are world-class. Switzerland, Ireland, greatly struggled against in the last World Cup qualifying campaign. Turkey and Romania. Turkey probably difficult. Romania maybe not so much. So look, looking at pot two, I mean, there are winnable games there, and Ireland will have to finish the top two. Uh, then uh, going on to pot four, you mentioned not scoring goals there. The teams are uh, well. That means Ireland will want to avoid Slovenia. They have, in my book, the best goalkeeper in the world, Jan Oblak. Despite the fact that uh, he's never played in a major international tournament, uh, that's more so due to the rather than himself. Uh, North Macedonia on good form. Uh, they've qualified for their first major tournament, uh, qualified for the Euros, beating Georgia in that uh, Division D playoff. Likes of Albania might be tricky. Bulgaria, Ireland struggled against Georgia. We don't need to play Georgia again. Uh, I just hope we avoid Denmark, Wales, and Georgia, to be honest, because uh, we seem to play them every week. Luxembourg would probably be the team to play here, because again, uh, you're looking at, you don't want to be making long trips. Luxembourg's only down the road. Uh, and uh, you know Ireland have the beating of them. They're a small nation. They're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they aren't known for their footballing talent. So that would be that would be a very winnable tie there. And then uh, looking at pot five, 
to potentially sticky ties here again, the likes of, you know, Armenia, uh, Kosovo as well, the newest UEFA member, they could really uh, cause a few problems for us. Andorra, probably the team to play here, you know, very small country, not known for football at all, sandwiched between two big footballing nations in, in uh, France and uh, in France and uh, uh, Spain. So uh, looking elsewhere, I mean, you don't want to be you don't want to be going off to the likes of Azerbaijan, Faroe Islands have had a bit of a have had a have had a bit of a I was going to say resurgence, but they were never really prominent in the first place. So they've had a really, bit of a um, bit of new life injected into them, I suppose. Uh, you don't want to be going all the way to Cyprus. I think we all remember playing Cyprus under Steve Staunton, and uh, you don't want to be having to trek all the way to Estonia and Kazakhstan. So uh, Andorra might be the easy one there. Pot six, looking around pot six, you should be beating any of those teams if you're going to qualify. Just a note on San Marino, though. They've actually had um, their best ever runner results. They kept two competitive clean sheets in a row uh, in uh, Division in Division D of uh, the in, in Division D of the uh, Nations League. So, uh, look, they had a really uh, they they, they uh, credit to them. They're a tiny little country. They're um, they're, they've they've virtually no population at all. So, uh, credit to them. They uh, did well there. But Ireland should be beating any of those teams. If they have any hope, so um, basically the top, uh, the top, uh, the ten runners up will uh, finish in the playoffs. As will uh, we'll go into the playoffs. The, all the top countries will, uh, the ten top countries will go directly into the World Cup. The ten runners up will join the two best nations league who didn't finish in the top two. So, for example, if somehow Belgium or France didn't finish in the top two, they would go into the playoffs. Uh, so um, you know uh, Ireland unlikely to get a, a place in that respect uh, by by failing to finish in the top two through the Nations League because that was a fairly poor campaign. So uh, the the group stages go from March 2021 to November 2021. Um, some of uh, the first two March and September have three games each. Then October and November have two games, and then the playoffs are in March. And obviously the World Cup will be in. Yeah, that's be that'll be uh, that'll be something else, all right. But uh, I suppose finally, just to round up, um, you know, we will just cover the uh, league matches or the, the main league matches in the leagues around Europe. Yeah, looking at uh, looking at the Premier League, I'm starting to believe in Tottenham here. I mean, uh, that, uh, that game that uh, game against Chelsea, exciting game. But at the same time, that's what you have to do: get points away to these big teams. Looking at it, uh, looking. Complete side, the most uh, the side that's playing for the most at the same time. Chelsea, I mean, results don't play into all the videos. Frank Lampard, I think, it was I think it was a player from any from any other a former player of any other country that wouldn't be going on. But um, yeah, look, Liverpool, there just seems to be something off. I don't think uh, I don't think Leicester are going to win anything under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, not the league anyway. Uh, just I don't think Brendan Rodgers has it in him to uh, to uh, deal with to deal with things when the results go tough. Uh, Everton have had a bit of a slump. Wolves keeping steady there uh, for the race for Europe and Southampton uh, doing quite well as well. Uh, Manchester United look like they they're going to challenge for that kind of for the European spots anyway. Arsenal interesting to see what happened. They're kind of uh, they're still in the bottom half. I mean they're fourteenth. It's interesting to know what will happen there. Will they end up fighting a relegation battle of some kind? Uh, looking at the, looking elsewhere, then at the Liga Un. Uh, well, it's a it's a very tight, very tight at the top. 
the top six teams, uh, PSG, Lille, Lyon, Monaco, Montpellier and Marseille are only separated by six points. And then you have uh, Rennes, Angers and Lens and Brest, not too far behind those either. So, uh, yeah, look, it looks uh, PSG and Lille. Uh, Lille, obviously, with that great academy producing the likes of Eden Hazard. And uh, Lyon, not in Europe this season. That might be a benefit to them. So, uh, you know, PSG just this seems like a year they're not as added as they were previously. But at the same time, the money they have is ridiculous. And really, the other team has to be perfect. They basically beat them. Uh, then uh, over in the Bundesliga, Look, uh, Bayern Munich have really uh, gotten into the swing of things now. They've topped the league, and usually when they go top, they don't uh, tend to be displaced for a little while. RB Leipzig are keeping a bit of pace up there. Uh, be one on the weekend there, uh, as did Munich. Uh, Russia Munch and Gladbach again in the league. Uh, they're uh, you know they're they're not doing as well in the league, but they're keeping pace, and they look like a good bet to finish top four. Dortmund and Leverkusen in those uh, top four spots at the moment. Union Berlin, kind of the surprise package. They're in a European spot. They're in a Europa League playoff spot. It's only their second season ever in the top in the top division. So, uh, yeah, looking at it, look, there's a, the, the, um, the Bundesliga looks a little bit tighter than it does. Uh, certainly, it tends to do later in the season. Uh, Serie A, as I said, great to see Napoli win. Uh, AC Milan still top the table. Uh, and they're still unbeaten in the league. Uh, it's Inter who are just behind them by five points. Uh, Sassuolo also up there, a bit of a surprise there. And uh, Juventus seems to be lagging behind a little bit. So, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it seems to be... Uh, it's, it seems like uh, this could be Milan's year to get back to the big time. I haven't been in the Champions League in a while. I haven't won anything in a long, long time. So uh, this could be Milan's year to do something. So keep an eye out for them. They obviously have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And in La Liga... Uh, big game this weekend, Real Madrid against Sevilla, I suppose, would be the big game. But uh, I'm looking at Atletico Madrid here, thinking they've uh, they played two games less than Real Sociedad, who are top of the league, have a very good young team, and they're only they're only one point behind. So this could be Atleti's year. I mean, Real Madrid don't look don't look to be too at it. Sevilla, Barcelona, I don't think either of them will... Uh, really put up much of a challenge. So this could be Atletico Madrid's year, but uh, at the same time, don't write off Sociedad, uh, Sociedad away to Alaves this weekend, and Atletico Madrid take on Valladolid. Uh, Barcelona are away to Cadiz, who uh, actually beat Real Madrid. So uh, yeah, look, uh, Atletico Madrid could be could be the team to beat in La Liga. And just finally in the Netherlands, uh, Ajax top the league. Uh, they've only lost one game so far. Uh, AZ Alkmaar, who finished se- second, are actually ten points behind them, but uh, they're only two points clear of the league. Ajax, their uh, Vitesse are up there. Uh, so uh, yeah, look, uh, looks like looks like it's going to be Ajax again. Big game this week is Ajax against uh, FC Twenty. So uh, yeah, look, uh, plenty going on around Europe. Looking forward to another uh, weekend of Champions League, and uh, hopefully it's a good one. That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much for doing uh, Euro Soccer with us this week, and we look forward to uh, discussing the games, uh, more games next week. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, you can get all our stuff on postpost.sport.blog and at postpost.sport, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks very much for having me, Aid. Uh, enjoy all the football. No problem, yeah. There's plenty of football to enjoy. So, listen, thanks very much. And we'll talk to you next week. And uh, that was Kieran Duffy from Post to Post Sport. <laughs>